The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. All right, very good. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Debbie. Take your Bible, if you will, and look, if you will, back in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3. Tonight, we'll be speaking on running from God, and uh, then next Sunday night, running to God, and then the following Sunday night, running with God, and then the following Sunday night, running ahead of God. All these things, of course, has to do with knowing the will of God. So look, if you will, please, back in Jonah chapter 1 in verse 3, where the Bible says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know, there are some uh, so-called Bible scholars that try to say that Jonah being swallowed by a fish certainly lacks authenticity. I disagree with them. Uh, if you think about man who could take and invent, design, and build a submarine, whereby it could house bodies for months on end, so could God build a fish that would house a man for three days and three nights. Dr. John R. Rice said this, he said, men have been looking so long for the big fish that they failed to see the big God that made the big fish. Jesus Christ gives noteworthiness to that which is Jonah in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 39 through 41. And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And so he even names Jonah. Uh, I believe it's very important to be able uh, to defend the authenticity of that which is truth. I think that uh, we are supposed to do that. I thought it was very sad when ISIS uh, uh, destroyed Jonah's grave, the tomb, if you will, in 2014. I thought that was a very sad event. Uh, to be able to destroy his grave. Though, because they did destroy his grave, you know that his grave did exist. And many, many recordings and pictures of it prior to the destruction, then of course the destruction being noted as a historical sad event. Here God uh, shows us a plan. And God shows us a purpose for our life. Uh, God's will, if you would please, is something that we ought to consider very strongly. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 23, the Bible says, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that uh, it may be well unto you. Uh, God wants things to be well unto you and unto me. Uh, I don't think in our generation, at least among the believers that I've talked to, that the problem is knowing uh, as much about the will of God as it is about doing the will of God that you do know. 
And I think it's important, and as we do this study, you'll see how important it is not just to know, but to do the will of God. Let's notice it tonight in uh, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of the Amittite, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And so notice this. Here we see the revealed will of God. God's will is revealed. He's talking to Jonah. That's a specific person. He's talking about Nineveh. That's a specific place. You'll see that he's talking about the wickedness of that city and giving Jonah a, a mandate, a commission, if you will, a command, if you will, to go and to preach specifically against the wickedness that is being conducted or that is being lived out in that city. And so you see there's a specific person, a specific place, and a specific Purpose, And that's always the way it is with God's will. Uh, God has a will for every single person that's underneath the pitch of my voice. The Christian should be the one that says, I'm going to go all out to find and to accomplish the will of God for my life. Now, that means that you have to be totally surrendered in your life to be able to seek Find and obey the will of God. Uh, the book of Jonah, chapter 1, and verse 1 again, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of the Amittite, saying, All right, so here we see that God knows exactly who we are. He called Jonah by name. Uh, of course, over in Jeremiah, chapter 1, and verse 5, the Bible says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Over in Psalm 139, in verse 1, the Bible Bible says, O Lord, he says, uh, has, uh, uh, it says, thou has searched me and known me. And so God does know who you are. By the way, we serve a God tonight that doesn't make mistakes. We serve a God tonight that knows every hair on your head. We serve a God tonight that knows the very intents of your heart. We serve a God tonight that cares more about you than you care about you or anybody else cares about you. So first we see this, that God has has revealed uh, his will onto Jonah personally. He calls him by name. He specifically uh, has a will for his life. We also see this, that he makes it very plain to Jonah. The Bible says in verse 1 again of Jonah 1, the Bible says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. It says the son of the Amittite saying, okay, so he's making it very plain. He's got something to say. And by the way, when God tells us something, we ought to sit up. We ought to pay attention. It's more than you get from a math teacher. It's more than you get from a science teacher. It's more than you get from a, a history teacher. This is God, and God gave us a book, and inside of that book, he gives us instructions in order to obey. I'm going to remind you of something that's very serious. One day you will stand before God. One day I will stand before God. One day your teacher will stand before God. There is only one God that you will answer to. And we understand that the Bible says... Uh, Psalm 37 and verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered, listen to it now, by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So the Bible says that God is also not interested in you understanding the will of God, noteworthy, he's interested in you taking the steps in order to fulfill the will of God. Uh, Psalm 119 verse uh, 133, the Bible says, order my steps 
in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, the Bible says a man's heart, it says, deviseth his way, uh, but the Lord directeth his steps. So God is interested in your steps. Now, why is he interested in your steps? Because where you step is the direction that you're going. And if you continue uh, to take the wrong steps, you wind up in the wrong place. You continue to take the right steps, you wind up in the right place. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 130, the Bible says, the entrance of thy words giveth light and giveth understanding unto the simple. What's that mean? That means even a simple person, a simple person in the Bible is somebody's childlike in their thoughts, childlike in their thinking, maybe not too deep in their understanding, but God says even a simple person can understand. So we understand that here, uh, uh, talking about the will of God being revealed, it's personal to Jonah. It's plainly put, but then it's also very pointed. Look at it again. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of the Amittai, saying, it's very pointed. He's going to point him a certain direction. Well, does that surprise us? Does that surprise us that God wants to point us in a certain direction? Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Now, did you notice that God is more concerned about you conforming to the world than he is about you conforming to Christianity? He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How do you be transformed? You don't be transformed uh, normally outwardly first to Christian principles, to Christian doctrine, to right living. Normally, that's not the way it works. If, it, if it's that way first, it doesn't last. It doesn't last. But the Bible says this. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How am I transformed? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is uh, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Now, wait a minute. Uh, let me ask you. Are you taking the Bible and proving what you're doing is right? Young person came up to me one time. I was preaching youth camp, and he said, Now, you prove to me, preacher, uh, what is uh, wrong about this. I said, Wrong question. The question should be asked, uh, uh, me asking it to you, prove to me what you're doing is right. You see, God has a right path for us to follow. He talks about the path of righteousness. All right, so we're supposed to follow the path of righteousness. What is it? That's right doing. God wants us to walk in the right steps. So here's what we see. We see that uh, Jonah's supposed to rise up. Uh, Jonah's supposed to go. Uh, that means he's not supposed to be lazy. He's supposed to go to this place that's called uh, Nineveh. Uh, uh, sort of like a missionary is called to a specific place. But here's what I found out. Unless a person is busy doing the what, normally they have a hard time figuring out the where. Because if you're not doing the what, I find this out to be true. God normally calls people to do more that's already doing. The people uh, in, in the business world, in the business world, when I owned my own business down in Florida, and uh, I didn't hire guys that I thought might do a good job. I hired guys based on the character of them 
doing a good job. Um, in hiring staff here, I didn't look for somebody that was hoping to become a staff person. I was looking for somebody that would be valuable to the team in becoming a staff person. The, the same thing, it is true in every avenue of life. And so he said, you're supposed to go to this place called Nineveh. You're supposed to cry against their wickedness. By the way, that's not easy. The Ninevites were known, if you would please, by people that would kill people very slowly, and we'll get into that later. But there was many reasons why perhaps Jonah did not get overly excited about going to the city of Nineveh. There's many reasons why perhaps he decided that he wanted to go a different direction. And you and I, if we're not careful, we can find all the reasons in the world to try and do what we want to do. Someone asked an artist one day, would you paint a picture of a decaying church? He began to work on his uh, art and uh, everybody thought it's gonna be an astonishing picture. They thought that when he unveils it, they're gonna see a church that's old, a church that's crumbling, a church, if you would please, that's dilapidating a church that was almost lying in complete ruin, when he pulled the canvas off of the artwork that he had now painted, all of a sudden you see that there's a magnificent edifice. You see that here's a church that has carved wood, splendor to look at. I'm talking about splendors. I'm talking about magnificent to look at. Uh, there was a, a, a just a, a splendid organ. I mean, everything in it was just beautiful. The stained glass windows. I mean, everything was just beautiful. It was very eloquent, if you would. It was elaborate. Everything was designed just perfect. And as you got ready to enter into the church, he emphasized that there was the offering box. On the outside of the offering box, it said foreign missions. He made great emphasis, as an artist can do, to be able to draw your eyes to a certain piece of their work. And over top of the box, you saw that it was full of huge cobwebs. See, he was painting that which is a picture of a decaying church. See, it, it's not, and I thank God for our place, I do. I thank God we have sacrificed and we have put money into it and we made it a nice place. And if we had to do it all over again, I think we ought to do it all over again. But can I tell you where God meets is not necessarily uh, in a building because it's elaborate. It's not necessarily meeting in a place, if you would please, because uh, if you look at some of the synagogues and you look at some of the temples and you look at some of the cathedrals around our nation, you'll see that uh, many of them are covered with uh, exterior gold and silver and precious stone, but yet uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that God meets there. God meets with the individual. And when the individual comes to God, uh, God moves in and God begins to work in their life. And uh, you and I ought so want to be that individual that wants God to be able to move in our life and show us the truth and help us to be able to understand all of the will of God for our lives. 
I'm saying God's will is revealed to Jonah. Then we see that God's will is rejected. This is very sad. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, but Jonah rose up. And boy, if you just stop right there, you're excited. Man, God gave him a charge. God told him, if you would please, what to do. God told him where to do it. I mean, uh, if God shows you what to do and God shows you where to do it, you ought to be super excited and supercharged. That's not what Jonah did. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, but Jonah rose up to flee onto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down, notice this, every, uh, every time somebody decides not to do the will of God, it's always in a downward fashion. It's always spiraling downward. The Bible says, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish and paid the fare thereof and went down into it uh, uh, to go with them onto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It was just down, 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 down. And whenever somebody decides, well, yeah, I know what the will of God is, uh, uh, but I'm not going to do the will of God, it's always downward from there. Now, here we see that Jonah... Jonah uh, was now getting ready to run completely from the will of God. It's an interesting problem that he had simply because he knew the importance of God's will and God's will was supposed to be important to him. But he decided, he decided, uh, uh, he decided that his will was more important than God's will. What I think, what my opinion is. Oh, may I tell you, dear beloved friend, you be very careful about uh, uh, stepping out to do something when you're not certain it's the will of God. Why? It's going to affect your kids. It's going to affect your grandkids. It's going to affect your friends. So we see that Jonah uh, had a problem. Then we see that he had an alternate plan. Isn't it funny how people have alternate plans rather than doing the will of God? And sometimes the will of God's not easy. Matter of fact, sometimes the will of God is the hardest thing you could ever do in your life. I said this morning, all dead fish float downstream. It's very hard to do the will of God. Somebody says, well, if I do the will of God, uh, it'll be easy. And if I do the will of God, it'll be comfortable. I've not seen that in too many people's lives. What I've seen is doing the will of God takes sacrifice. Doing the will of God takes character. Doing the will of God takes a deep abiding love uh, uh, to fulfill God's will in your life. And the world doesn't understand it and the flesh doesn't accept it and the devil's against it. And so whenever you step out to do the will of God, can I tell you, uh, uh, there will be people that rise up against you. There will be people who make fun of you. All of a sudden, when God speaks to your heart and you surrender a certain aspect of your life, uh, you get to see uh, who's excited about God by who's excited about the decision that you made and who's not excited about the decision that you made and who tries to talk you out of the decision that you made. And I thank God for every single child of God that stands up and that goes forward and tries to do something for God. Why? Because something for God is a whole lot better than nothing. Nothing for God. And so we see that Jonah, uh, he uh, had a problem. Why? Because he had an alternate plan. He decided he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Then you see, not just a problem, not just an alternate plan, but now he is deliberately running from the presence of the Lord. My mother loved the shop. Maybe your mother's that way. You fellas that's going to get married, maybe you'll have a wife that's that way. My mother loved to shop. 
my mom would find sales just incredible. I hated to shop. Most of the time, my mother, when she went shopping, she went shopping for clothes. I hate shopping for clothes. So does Brother Wislowski. But I remember one time I thought for sure, I, I thought for sure. See, Mama, when Mama got mad, first thing Mama would do is Mama would take us home. If we get her mad in a store, I had her pegged. She'd say, well, I'm going to take care of you when we get home. I've watched her leave total card, uh, uh, shopping carts full and say, let's go. I had mama pegged. Oh, we were in this store one day, and I, I don't know, I was about seven or eight or so, and yeah, you, you'd be amazed how, how quickly we learn our parents, even at young ages. I said, so I'm, no, I, I guess I was about seven or eight, because I went back home at six. I'm about seven or eight, just real young, you know, and mom was in the store, and she's going through these clothes, and, and, and she got caught up. Hmm. She got caught, sort of like a guy in a gun shop. She got caught up. Now, I'm not talking about caught up in the spirit. I'm not talking about Holy Ghost nothing. I'm talking about she got caught up. Man, she's over here looking. She didn't know. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't know. I, I got out of the cart. I climbed down. I looked between the clothes. There's Mama. But Mama's looking there, which means I can go there. And so I did. I climbed in between the clothes, and boy, did they stink. I climbed in between the clothes, and I got over here, and she looked in the cart. She said, Michael! Now, that meant the wrath of God soon to come. She said, Michael, where are you? I didn't say a word. Because, you know, if mama gets hot, mama's going home. I can get out of this place. She said, you come here right now. I didn't say a word. She said, when I find you, I'm going to rip you up. I didn't say a word. She said, you come out now. We're going home. My turn. I walked out. She said, we're leaving. I said, yes, ma'am. I got home. I was so sorry I did that. I never did that again. I don't think I sat down for a month and a half. Now, wait a minute. I, I'm saying this. I, I'm saying that uh, when you run from the presence of the Lord, you pay the piper. You do. I, I was raised in a, a Roman Catholic home, and my parents had a rule. They said, now, don't throw the ball in the house. Don't wrestle in the house. If we catch you throwing the ball, wrestling in the house, you're in big trouble. Well, you know, they, they left, and, and Dave said, hey, want to play football? I said, yeah, let's play football. He said, catch. I caught it. I caught it. I was a good catch. 
I was a lousy thrower. And I said, hey, let's, let's go outside. Hey, come on, let's go. And I threw it back as I was going outside. It missed Dave, and it hit the statue we had of Mary on the fireplace. Mary started going like this. And she hit the deck. Head broke off. Arm broke off. Fingers on the ground. It was not a good thing. I said, Dave, what did you do? He said, if you would have threw me the ball to me, I might have caught it. I said, well, we're going to both die. And, and he said, let's get, let's, let's get some glue. Let's go find glue. He said, I can fix it. Don't worry. He said, it's, it's going to be okay. So, you know, we found glue, and Dave started to glue it. He said, see, it looks pretty good. I said, no. He said, well, you can just see little cracks. I said, it had no cracks. And he said, man. He tried to glue the fingers back on, and he'd get them up there, and it'd just fall off. And he'd get it up there, and it'd just fall off, and the shoulder wouldn't stay on. The only thing he had on correctly was the head. And I said, we're going to die. Oh, we're both going to die. Mom's going to kill us. Dad's going to kill us. Grandpa's going to kill us. Everybody's going to kill us. Mom came home. Dave, Dave had, I don't know why he did this. going to draw. But he turned Mary around so that she would be facing the opposite direction. How stupid. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, how, how stupid, you know? And, and so he turned Mary around facing the other direction, thinking that, okay, they won't notice her. Well, they're going to turn her around because, after all, that, you know, that's the facing blessing. And, you know, and so, so mom said, hey, who turned around Mary? Dave did. I wasn't lying. He, mom said, go up there and uh, turn it around, Mike. Uh, it needs to be turned around facing us for blessing. I said, well, mom, I think Dave ought to turn it around because he turned it around the other way. She said, no, I'm telling you to turn it around. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So I got up there. The fingers are mission, missing. I know it is. The shoulder's cracked. I know it is. The only thing is I'm hoping the head stays on. <laughs> I turn it around real gradual, trying to keep those fingers towards the fireplace. And she said, that's not right. Turn it around all the way. I said, Mom, we need to tell you something. Remember how you tell us not to play ball in the house? She said, talk on. Remember how he told us not to wrestle in the house? Uh, she said, talk on. I said, well, we, 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 uh, we, we, well, we, uh, well, you know, Dave, why don't you tell her? <laughs> so you know how brothers are, right? You know how brothers are. You blame it on them. They blame it on you. It gets deeper, and you all wind up just dead. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying this. There was a day I wanted to run from the presence of mama. There was a day I wanted to run from the presence of my daddy. But every time I ran, every time I did something wrong, there was worse to pay. It would have been better not to do wrong to the beginning than to do wrong and have to pay later. And yet we think that God has his back turned. Yet we think that, you know, hey, I can do whatever I want to do even though I was created in the image of God and I'm supposed to obey God and I'm supposed to put God first in my life. It's okay. I can do what I want to do. The only problem with that 
is that he's still your heavenly father. Amen. Here we see about Jonah. Jonah was an individual that had the will of God revealed. He rejected the will of God. He rejected it by uh, creating a new problem, by escaping God's plan and running from his presence. And you'll see this, and I'm done. The will of God carries risk. I said the will of God's revealed, it's rejected. It also carries risk. Look at uh, verse 4, if you will, Jonah 1. The Bible says, but the Lord sent uh, out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And so now God is getting attention because now Jonah is running the opposite direction. Verse 6, the Bible says, And the shipmaster came unto him and said unto him, uh, uh, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Can you imagine somebody in such a horrific storm that is just sleeping through? And can I tell you, some people get so used to uh, uh, doing what they want to do a little bit here and doing what they want to do a little bit here, and God judges a little bit here, and God judges judges a little bit here, but they just kind of uh, pass it off, and they say, well, you know, nothing, nothing horrendously has happened yet, and so it'll be okay, because after all, I don't see nothing really, really bad. I mean, I'm not like sick with a terminal disease, and I'm not gotten any major car wrecks, and uh, uh, nobody's broken into my house and pulled a gun on me and tried to shoot me, so nothing horrific has happened to me, so uh, I'll just be okay, because I can pacify these things. The Bible says, uh, "Arise and call uh, upon thy gods, uh, if it, upon thy gods." So uh, uh, be that God will think upon us. Listen to it now that we uh, perish not. And so they knew that Jonah had a connection. And by the way, most of your friends uh, know that you have some type of connection with God. Because you see, some of your righteousness and some of your um, godliness does shine through. And so they know that, boy, there's something different about you. You can't cover it all the time. Uh, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, And they said, Every one to his fellow, Come and let us uh, cast lots, that we may know whose cause this evil is upon us. And they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. And so now they're saying there's got, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. And can I say there's a great risk in disobeying God. Then lastly, uh, there's a great risk sometimes uh, in stepping out uh, to do the will of God. But the greater risk of doing the will of God brings blessing while the greater risk of not doing the will of God brings judgment. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 16, And the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And offered sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Verse 17, Jonah 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord uh, hath prepared a, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. The Bible says, And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You know, uh, Jonah, uh, God said, I'm going to bring you back. And here's what I find out about the will of God as we're talking about tonight, running from the will of God. Here's what I find out about the will of God. You may run from the will of God, but you cannot outrun the will of God. My Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The word repentance there means change of mind. You know, God's never going to change his mind about his will for your life. He's never going to change his mind. God has a will for you. 
You said, but you know, I'm just chilling with my friends and uh, I'm just kind of getting by and doing my own thing and uh, kind of just, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be okay, preacher. You better stop back up a little bit and consider the God of heaven has a choice will for you. What is the will of God for your life? How is it that you can please God the most? What is it that God expects out of you? Now, by the way, that's not a terrible thing. Well, I'd rather be in the will of God than out of the will of God. David Livingston said this. He said, I'd rather uh, be in the will of God in Africa than on the throne of England out of the will of God. May I remind you, please, that the greatest blessing is knowing it. The second greatest blessing is accomplishing it. Oh, for some, the will of God is going to be a life of extreme sacrifice. For some, the will of God might uh, be putting you in harm's way. For some, the will of God might be that God blesses you externally with many, many blessings whereby you can be a blessing to other people. For some, the will of God might be that one day you're on the mountain, the next day you're in the valley. But whether on the mountain or in the valley, if the will of God be the will of God, then uh, you be one that accepts and does the will of God. Don't put judgment or put God on trial. But you don't understand. I don't think it's fair, God. Oh, be careful, my dear beloved friend. Don't say it's, uh, God, is just not fair the way that I am and the things that I'm going through and the places that you have placed me. It's just not fair. You let God be the one. I know young people today that's bitter towards their parents because their parents did not live up to their expectancy. I know Christians that got out of church because they had a, a preacher that messed up or they had uh, uh, some Christian that uh, messed with their mind or uh, oh, stop using humanity as your excuse not to live for God. You're going to be a person that stands before God and you ought to be excited that you get to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you ought to be excited about putting God first in your life. And one day, uh, God, if he so chooses to do so, can bless you in your life, but he never can bless you in your life if you're running from the very plans that God uh, has uh, for you. I'm saying tonight, Here's a picture of Jonah. God called his name Jonah. What a wonderful privilege that God would know my name. What a wonderful privilege that God would care enough to call my name. By the way, in the will of God, you don't always know what's going to happen. But we always know that we're in his hand. What a wonderful blessing that is. I recite to you the other day, I preached a funeral for uh, Ann Jones, and Stephen Ann was there, and it was her younger brother that died. And, and as we preached Marvin's funeral, I took brother, I always take one of the assistant pastors with me whenever I do a funeral, and brother Craig assisted me in that funeral and went over to Gun Barrel City. I've never been to Gun Barrel City before. But that's a neat little town. And we went to Gunbarrow City and, and uh, very tender-hearted people. 
And uh, we were leaving. I asked Steve Jones. I said, Steve, where should we eat at? We're going to get something to eat on the way home. And, and we're going to stop somewhere to eat. And, I, and I, I told Brother Craig, if you go with me, I'll treat you to lunch. Help me with the funeral. We'll stop fellowship a little bit along the way. And we'll, we'll stop and eat for lunch. And, and there was a place across the street, as I said the other night, was called Gizzards and Lizards or something like that. I don't know. It just did not seem appealing to me. If I'm going to eat somewhere, I like, by the way, I like to eat places that are unique. Burger King's okay, but anybody need it Burger King. McDonald's is okay, but anybody can eat at McDonald's. Chick-fil-A's all right, but that's just standard American. Anybody can eat at Chick-fil-A. Oh, I like to find the hole in the wall where the hole is still there. But I didn't feel like I wanted that type of hole. So across the street was this magnolia, yellow flower, something, I don't know. Well, it sounded like that it would be a little bit more acceptable. So I told, I told Kevin, I said, to, or Brother Craig, I said, hey, let's go there and eat. We were the only person, you know, when you pull up to a place, Doc, when you pull up to a place and there's nobody, I'm talking about zero people in the parking lot, you begin to wonder, was this a good decision? And there's nobody, I'm talking about nobody in the entire parking lot. We walked in, there was nobody in the restaurant. So I looked at Brother Craig and I said, hey, this is a blessing. We're going to get immediate service. So a lady came, she started to wait on us, and after a while, she left. And I thought, we got the restaurant to ourselves. We can go to the kitchen and cook if we want. But then I guess her son came in, or maybe just somebody working there. And, uh, and so, uh, so, you know, he was there, and so... Uh, Gilberto is his name and Gilberto served us and was uh, outstanding and whatnot. He's the only one there. And I, told, uh, I told Kevin, I said, look, how about if I do this? How about on the way out? I'd like to talk to that boy because he doesn't have anything to do. Nobody else is here. It's just us. Perfect witnessing opportunity. I've got all my things covered. He's got his things covered. Perfect witnessing opportunity. I said, let's spend time with him a little bit. So I went over to uh, Gilberto and, and started to witness to him. He's just as open as open could be. Took an opportunity just to show him how to be saved. And I showed him how to be saved. And he thanked me over and over and over again. Now, now wait a minute. I could have said this. Boy, I'm in a hurry to go back home. I'm in a hurry to get over here. I'm in a hurry to do this. But you know, uh, sometimes the will of God is just so obvious, isn't it? It's just so obvious. I remember one time I was door knocking over here in the apartments and, and, uh, and I, I had X amount of time to, to do, but, uh, you know, I parked in one of those non-visitor parking spots and, and, and so I was knocking on the door and, and, and they weren't home and so I knocked on these people's door and they were in a hurry, they were leaving and I had one more door to knock on and the people that were leaving hollered back up and said, hey, you got a car? Well, I had my wife's car. My truck was in the shop. And I said, yeah. Said, they're towing it right now. I said, thank you. So I ran downstairs. I was by myself that day. And so I ran downstairs. I said, hey, sir, sir, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's my wife's car. And I said, if it was my truck, I might not give you, give you so much grief. But that's my wife's car. So put it down. 
And he said, oh, no, I've already got it all lifted. I'm ready to roll. I said, you're not rolling anywhere. I appreciate it, but uh, I'll move it, put it down. And he said, well, he said, I normally don't do that for people. I said, you need to do it for me. That's my wife's car, and I want to live. So put it down. He said, well, I'm married too. I'll put it down for you. So he put it down. And uh, I, I said, well, by the way, since you did put it down, I said, and I would do this anyway. I said, I do care about you. I said, I'm the pastor of Parkside. Oh, he said, you're a preacher? I said, yeah. He said, I'm so glad I didn't pull that car off. He said, I don't want God to get on me. And I said, well, I, I'm, I'm glad about that too. He said, did, did you want to pray for me or something? I said, if you want me to, I'll pray for you. But before I pray, I'd like to talk to you just a little bit. He said, take your time, sir. I'm right here. <laughs> oh, what if I would have said, you know what? Just go ahead and take it. It's okay. I'll get it later. What would have happened? <laughs> Why are y'all looking at my wife? <laughs> But I'm saying this, I'm saying that God has appointed times for us. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we will miss out on some of the most precious opportunities to be able to help people, to be able to love people. This is a cost that's all broken. Of course, you understand about her dear mother getting ready to go home to be with the Lord. Uh, can I tell you, just to have prayer with somebody and, and encourage somebody and my wife called Mrs. Buchanan, got Mrs. Buchanan, and of course, uh, Mrs. McDowell went to, Sarah went over to be with Mrs. Acosta and to love her and to encourage her. Sometimes just being there for somebody makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Yeah, I wish I could do this. I'm done. I've done the sermon. I, I wish I could do this. I, I do. I wish I could do this. Come here. I wish I could do this to every young person in our church. I wish I could walk beside them just for a day love on them say man I sure am proud of you man you're doing a great job oh you said but preacher they're not living the way they should completely well you probably aren't either yeah I think I'd come down off the high horse just a little bit but I think maybe you know if somebody would just kind of extend that hand and say man I'm proud of you you're doing a good job and, uh, you know, just kind of walk beside him for just a little bit. Sometimes all it takes is a word of encouragement. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's just to say, hey, look, man, I tell you, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I took uh, Michael Ginger out with me uh, uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday to go soul winning. And, uh, you know, uh, young man, I'm not talking about Brother Ginger. I'm talking about his son. Young man. Full of energy. We talked. We fellowshiped. Honestly, we enjoyed our time together. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, you know, sometimes if you're not careful in our Christian life, I'm done. Here it is. We can rush through and not take time for people. 
You know the people that's going to enjoy our church the most is the people that kind of settle down and just say, I'm home, and I'm going to enjoy my surroundings. Come on. When I come to your house, I might feel a little bit uneasy because I don't have the liberty to go into the refrigerator. I don't have the liberty to fix myself a pot of coffee. I don't have the liberty. You know how us men are. We're zone people, you know? Are you a zone person? Yeah. I'm zone. I have my chair. My wife has her chair. Well, I'm kind of suspicious when I go into somebody else's home. Okay, what is his chair? What is her chair? I don't want to sit in his chair. I don't want to sit in her chair. You know, I'm just trying to find out where, because, you know, people are people are a habit. You know, they normally flop down in their chair. Okay, so, but, you know, when I'm at my house, ooh, buddy. When I get home, I'm home. I'm home. My shoes are coming off. I mean, stink, I don't care. I'm home. If I want to yawn, I can yawn as loud as I want to. I'm home. You know, uh, I can stretch. I can make weird sounds. I'm just home. Now, can I say, listen, did you know that God wants you to be at home with him so much that you love him so much that you just want to obey? I turned to my wife and I said, honey, 35th wedding anniversary, what do you want to do? We could fly to Europe. We could go to New Orleans. We could go to Florida. We could go to Pennsylvania. We could go to Alaska. What do you want to do? And she said, I, I think I'd just like to chill. Because we hadn't chilled in a long time. I said, I think I'd like to chill too. You know where we're going on, on our honeymoon? We going to Dallas. <laughs> just to relax. Because we're tired. Now, may I say this? Can I say that uh, that's a good thing? To be able to spend time with people that you love. Church is that way too. You get to know people, you'd be amazed how many people want to help you. And not hurt you, but truly have a desire to help you. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for these. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.